0: Welcome to Never Gets Old, a firsthand account of all things secondhand. This is a podcast about the resale economy, what that means for how we shop, how we think about the future of fashion, but it's also about sustainable fashion. I'm your host, Meredith Feynman, and I am joined by my bestie in the Westie, Sarah Lane. Hey, Mayor,
1: I'm excited about the second part of this special because I learned a lot on our previous episode about sustainable fashion, and I am excited to hear more.
0: Yeah, so we talk a lot about sustainable fashion. This is part two of how to shop more sustainably. In our first episode, we talked about things like luxury brands lighting their excess on fire and are you doing your research about what kind of brands, what they're using, and what is deadstock fabric? I think it's really important to first say, and, and I said this in the previous part, in this part too, is that nobody is a perfect consumer. Uh, nobody can be totally perfect when it comes to sustainability, and it's not a competition either. When I talk to people about consignment and thinking about shopping resale to save money and to make money, that's not a hard argument. But when I talk to them about it. Uh, and, and get them thinking about circular fashion and what it really means for the planet, they get kind of defensive. They're like, well, you know, I like give my clothes, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. And I'm like, well, you know, I give my clothes away, donate them. And it's not a contest. It's just thinking about small changes in your life. And I believe they'll become big changes if enough of them, uh, enough of us make them. And we have long thought, as Sarah talked about, what goes into our bodies and where that comes from and how that's made and sourced. And people are starting to think about that when it comes comes to what they put on their bodies. So with that, we're going to pick up uh, with some more tips on how to shop sustainably and think about the planet when you are finding hot things to put on your bod. In the previous episode, we talked about some very controversial ways that brands, they don't want to... Uh, send their overstock or things that didn't sell from that season. Some of them have outlets but for the most part for a brand especially one that is billing itself as a luxury brand, they have shadier ways of getting rid of their materials. So one really important thing uh, in thinking about how to shop and consume more sustainably is is figuring out where that excess goes when it does go. One of my favorite boutiques it's a very high high end upscale boutique uh they are taking their stuff to consignment stores but it's not in the area I don't know where it is all I want is for them to tell me where it is so I can go buy it all it's like well how do you know that they're doing that then so one of the salespeople said that to me and I don't remember how they let that slip but I was like wait where is it going tell me do you need me to like be your sherpa do you need me to be your mule to like take half of this and then sell the rest for you I think it's really important to ask where where the stuff goes. You know, after after a season ends.
1: So, how much do you think that companies like this should be required to disclose this information? If you somehow know that this is happening, what you know, where where does the legality lie?
0: Right now, there's nothing. Uh, from what I know, I think there are some regulations that I actually don't know enough about, but. Um, You know asking where the stuff goes you can ask that of smaller businesses in this situation like I've also I know someone who runs a luxury boutique in Los Angeles and consigns uh, all of her overstock to a consignment store so adding to this sort of circular fashion economy it's interesting though it's not in the same city she actually pours it into the consignment ecosystem here which i found out about i was like oh i've been to that boutique in la so there is some Hmm. of that like not embarrassment but they're trying to obscure it i mean what a brand is trying to avoid is lining the walls of a tj maxx because it does in their eyes lessen their sort of luxury status
1: sure because if you can get it anywhere then it somehow is at least in the brand's eyes it They see themselves as as not that hard to to obtain. And
0: I think brands on the most part it's like are some going to tell you absolutely fucking not but I do believe that it's becoming part of this sort of transparent process that people really want to know about from how you source how you train your workers but then on the other end like what are you doing with your extra stuff does it is it always stay there does it go to a secondary site like you have a Barney's warehouse um, which is basically the outlet shop for Barney's um, which is in trouble, they're in trouble, they might file for bankruptcy. But you know, I think that you can ask this, you know, they might not tell you, but I do think that brands are actually going to start committing to this idea of a very transparent soup to nuts. And that's a selling point of a lot of brands right now, particularly ones that are in the sustainable fashion space is saying, hey, do you want to know exactly where your stuff's coming from? That's already done. But I do think they're going to start saying, do you want to know where it's going Out the door on the other way
1: if companies aren't required to disclose this information then there's not a whole lot we can do besides right you know ask somebody who works there and hope that they tell you the truth but when you think about the fact that a company would prefer to just light a bunch of shit on fire and make it go away and go on to whatever the next new trend is it's very upsetting and i think that more companies particularly i don't know maybe it's a company that makes a certain amount of money per year type thing where they could never claim that they're you know, a small mom and pop shop type thing. Totally. You, you, we, we should be, we should be able to have that information and, and they should be required to at least try to give it a second life rather than just throw it away.
0: It's a huge problem in fashion. It always has been, Um, and, and I, I really still wonder, and I'm sure this is a much more prolific practice than even we realize. And I don't think that, you know, I think these brands are going to get pressured into telling people about their supply chain and telling people about where it goes after because of brands that are going to be very successful due to sustainability. I mean, this is why we're talking about it, too, is sustainability in fashion is – I hate saying that it's hot right now, but it's it's a hot-button issue that people are talking about and people are starting to pay attention, and there's just more and more research that the next generation of young people, like, that is one of their top priorities when shopping, and I think that brands are going to feel that pressure to do it. So it's okay to ask. Don't expect to necessarily get answers, but I think those questions – you know put the right kind of pressure on on companies whether it is a huge department store um or whether it is a luxury brand or or it's a smaller smaller brand i think those conversations are all really really important a lot about talking to brands but also thinking about how you buy more sustainably um at least for me whenever I'm shopping I'm much more inclined now to buy things that I also know will retain value and in a future episode I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how to do that and also how to make sure that things you do own retain value but a lot of times like I and I think it's a new way of thinking about things is you know buying them considering the second life of them like almost like you're temporarily owning them you you know?
1: Yeah, I have. And that usually goes towards bigger ticket items because that's the barrier to entry for me. If I, if I want a jacket more than anything, right, you were talking about this cool jacket that, that you got on our previous episode and I want that. And let's say it's 500 bucks. I'm not getting it. But if I thought, okay, well, I might wear this for a year and then I could maybe sell it for Three hundred, you know, or maybe even half, then that becomes much more attractive to me. The only thing is there's that laziness factor, right? So you have to you have to build in there's going to be a process to this purchase that I'm about to make. And I know that ahead of time, and it's not the end of the world and there are lots of tools to help me do it, but that I I I think that a lot of people just don't They're not used to that process yet.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a way of thinking about it. I mean, if you've been listening to It Never Gets Old since the beginning and you can go back and listen to any episodes, whether it's The World of Fakes or it's Buying and Selling 101 that we will elaborate more on is is sort of shifting your perception of how you shop and how you own things. And, you know, I did this, this buying to sell. I bought... These insanely trendy, I'd been looking for them for a really long time, Louis Vuitton sneakers. And they're the arch light sneaker. They're like hyper, hyper fashion. And I wore them once. They weren't particularly that I had wanted them for years. And then I finally got my paws on them for like such an amazing price. I traded this girl on Poshmark something plus gave her cash. Ended up being a really solid transaction. They weren't that comfortable. And then I was in the position like, well, if you think about it, And more in that conversation on retaining value and how to look out for value and and watch these brands. This is the peak of them retaining that value. Like those sneakers, I think they retail for like $1,100, like something crazy. Um, But I was looking and I knew that they would be listed on resale sites for almost $1,000. So that means they're losing almost no value. So then I sold them because I knew if I waited six more months... It would drop by half.
1: Oh, yes. You're kind of watching the market at the same time. Exactly.
0: And I will talk to you about how to watch the market, understand what brands really retain that value so that you can buy them to sell. Because again, then you're thinking about how you personally can give them another life.
1: I know that this will differ person to person and and how much social networking means to you and and being photographed and and all of that stuff but those sneakers for somebody might have just been valuable for you know, maybe a couple of really cute photos that you were in where you're like yep there they are I I wore them I I've I've they they have they've worked out for me and I'm ready to offload them now
0: totally and that's part of the like Instagram obsessed look at my fancy shiny life whether or not it actually is ecosystem is like you know let's say you do have a bunch of followers like oh my followers can't see me repeating outfits they can't see me repeating my shoes so I have there's this pressure there especially because the churn of social media we're seeing things constantly and those pictures stay up so there's actually more of a push for newness Than ever before. But conversely, in being a more sustainable shopper, thinking about really buying for value, you know, it's one thing for it to retain value, but it's also something that we talked about with like buying less, buying nicer things, Um, but just that are higher value and higher quality that's a way to always be more sustainable because the higher quality of the garment, the longer you'll wear it. And if you do put it back into sort of the circular fashion economy, the longer it will exist. And that does not necessarily mean labels. There's a place I shop in Paris called La Piscine, which is this amazing Italian outlet. Like they get stuff off the back of a truck from Italy. I don't know. None of the tags are on it, which is which is why you can buy it for much less. But you can just tell by feeling the fabrics, like start feeling fabrics, start getting used to understanding like what good button enclosures look like, what a well-sewn zipper is. I mean, I think you don't think about that as much. No, no, but you know it when you see it. Totally, and you know it when you feel it. You know it when you feel it, for sure. And that—that that is, you know, we have a, a serious pollution problem with fast fashion, which is the opposite. And you know when you walk into a Forever 21, yeah, that looks like something that is super of the moment, but, you know, you can wear it twice and you certainly can't put it in the washing machine. There was many a Forever 21 top that I like, Was too lazy to dry clean because you don't want to dry clean forever 21. You put it in the washing machine and it like then would fit like my dog, who's very small.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sort of dry cleaning averse, not only because it's a hassle, but because it tends to add up. In fact, I have two fairly large bags down by my front door right now I look at them every single day as I walk down my stairs and don't take them to the dry cleaners cuz I'm like this is going to be a, like at least a couple hundred bucks just to get everything in order and it's a combination of well there's some stains a couple buttons are missing a couple things you know I'm going to have a whole conversation with the person there however it's is this is it's sort of like it's my second life of items that I I know that in in my laziest day, and and I know some people will relate to this. You just go like, ugh, can't deal with it anymore. It's broken.
0: Totally, and sometimes it is broken. And uh, in an episode on care, I'll talk to you about like if, how you can sell broken stuff. If you can sell broken stuff, where that line really is, um, and dry cleaning isn't isn't necessarily the most eco friendly thing either. So you got to buy a steamer, Sarah.
1: Yeah, I really do. I I don't really. I, I hate to admit this because I should know it's probably available on the internet real quick, but I don't really know what dry cleaning is. I know that there, there have been times where I've brought something in with a stain and they do their best and they're like, yeah, it didn't really come out. And I'm like, but what did you do?
0: Yeah. We need to have someone a shout out. Anyone in the INGO atmosphere that is really an expert on dry cleaning, like please come and talk to us. Uh, Because yeah, (laughs) then they put that little mark being like, this is your stain, not our stain and And that is is something you can do. But buy a steamer twenty five bucks on Amazon, I will link to the one that I have, and that actually ends up saving you money and time and effort and and some chemicals.
1: Well, there you go. Good tip.
0: So another thing to ask of brands to be a more sustainable shopper uh, is looking at who owns them and who's in charge. I mean, I think that that's less hands on than like, you know, what are you doing with this fabric that is no longer in season? But look at who is in charge. I think that like holding the leadership accountable um, and seeing who is making the money that you're giving them, I think is a huge part of making more sustainable choices. Like, what do these leaders care about? What do they give to? Have they said anything about sustainability? Does it look like they're just running their mouths about it? Have they not mentioned it at all? Like, you know, now if you talk to someone like the leadership at Allbirds, they'll tell you how much this means to them. I think that people are really looking towards leaders that give a shit.
1: Yeah, and I, I, much as you might say... Well, Hollywood producers, historically, somewhat in the background. If you're in the industry, you might know them, but otherwise, you kind of don't know what's going on. That is more in the forefront now than it ever has been before, and and people have become vocal about saying, hey, this person is kind of a shitty person for this, that, and the other reason, and this is why we need other people in charge of stuff, even though the machine will keep spinning. And when it comes to clothes, I think it's the same thing. I mean, I couldn't tell you besides some of the most obvious ones who the CEOs of, of 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 really any clothing brand, my favorite clothing brands are, but there are certain things that are deal breakers to me. Like if you take photos and post them on the internet of yourself hunting an endangered species, right? Like I don't want your clothes. And if I know that then that's empowering to me because then I can make other choices.
0: And I think more than ever, the leadership recognizes that people care about this and that they have to step up to the plate too. Um, it was interesting in Copenhagen Fashion Summit uh, to listen to uh, Francois-Henri Pinault, who re- owns Gucci. He he oh, he runs Caring, which is a huge holding company that owns a zillion luxury brands. Um, and then they're what these leaders are saying and and you kind of have to figure out like what you think that they're doing. And and he's someone who gave, like, he pledged hundreds of millions of dollars to help repair Notre Dame Cathedral. But also, like, I don't know what he gives when it comes to anything with sustainability. So a huge question in shopping sustainably is, what about vegan leather? What about all these leather alternatives? How do you feel about them? They're not for me personally. I buy everything secondhand. And uh, for me, I buy secondhand leather. Uh, and you know, I'm sort of like, well, it already existed and I'm not asking for more to be made and more animals to be hurt. Um, Sarah, do you own anything that's vegan leather?
1: I do. And it's funny because one of my, it's a, it's a cheap jacket. It's kind of a, a, like a, like a camel blazer and it is vegan leather and I bought it, Gosh, maybe I bought it secondhand. Now that I'm thinking about it, and you know, I just I've just had it around for a while. I, and I, every time I wear it, people are like, "That is so nice." And I think, yeah, I mean, it was like four dollars. You know, it was this is this is not a fancy jacket. Looks nice though, and it looks very leathery. It doesn't. No one's ever said, "Oh, is that real?" It just it just it just passes off uh, the way that if you like something that is leather, it looks a certain way. And so, yeah, it is one of actually my favorite items that I've had in my closet for probably going on 10 years.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, actually, that's not true. I do own something that's vegan leather. So Stella McCartney, which actually was just purchased by LVMH, which is a huge move when it comes to sustainability. LVMH is a holding company that owns many, many luxury brands, including like a Louis Vuitton. Uh, And they bought Stella McCartney, which is a big deal because she has always been someone who's committed to sustainability and she has forever and always only used vegan leather. So I have a pair of her like... I, the only word for them is like clodhoppers. They're these like chunky shoes that you've seen around. Um, but then there's a lot of questions about vegan leather. I mean, some of these processes for making vegan leather actually aren't that good for the environment, which is something that people miss a lot. So, So that's an ongoing debate. And when you're making these sorts of materials, there are other alternative materials that are better for the environment. Like when I was in Copenhagen and you have where people are making fibers out of pineapples, people are making everything out of recycled plastic, sneakers, leggings, backpacks. Um, and that really aims, I think to take the place of, of traditional fabrics, but I'm not sure that luxury houses are going to, uh, ever, you know, use water bottles to make jackets. <laughs> well,
1: I think that again, it's a numbers game. If a company can say, if 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 Stella McCartney's new parent company says, we are committed to to the vegan vision that this company was founded upon, and here are all the things that we're we've pledged to do to make sure that 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 her vision uh, carries forward, that's great. But they're only going to do that if they can figure out how this is cheaper than doing it the the traditional way.
0: Totally. And that's sort of, it's going to be a lot of putting your money where your mouth is or putting your mouth where your money is. I'm not sure which one. Let's talk a little bit about actual actions you can take to shop more sustainably, whether you're buying secondhand, whether you're buying vegan or real leather. Um, So just a few things. Ask for less packaging. I don't know if you've noticed this. We have a huge packaging problem to call out Amazon for a second. You know, they use every single time I order a new thing from Prime, they're giving me a box. I'm always very careful, and I think I get docked a little bit for it on Poshmark, is everything I pack my stuff, I actually have to, you know, ship off something in a minute after I, I stop recording this. But I always reuse the boxes, everything that I send to people. If you shop from my Poshmark, shout out at Fine MC. Uh, If you shop my closet, you're going to get something in a prime box because it's just an insane amount of packaging. And I noticed today, actually, on Glossier's website that they have an option when you are I haven't seen this almost anywhere else. You have, a chance, you have the option to check a box that says, send me less packaging, which is like, don't send me the pouch, don't send me the stickers, don't send me any excess. And I think that's only going to grow for sure.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like when uh, every time I move and I have to tell my new electric company, please just let's go paperless. <laughs> and sometimes it's a huge process to get to that point, but... Yeah, I think there there are folks who maybe want the packaging fine. Most people don't though. That's just the way it's been done. And I think that's a really that's a really solid point that you make about those prime boxes. Because yeah, I'm breaking down prime boxes left and right up in the Heezy and the Lane residence, and I hate throwing them out. But I don't have a big use for them. But if I was if 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 more uh, merch was coming in and out of my house, that would be a great way to go. And if the person on the other side didn't somehow get offended by that, and I don't know why they would, Um, that should be something that a a Poshmark would actually... You'd you'd want them to lean into that and encourage people to do that.
0: A hundred percent. So the company I was grasping for was Repack. Repack, I saw at Copenhagen Fashion Summit. They're fairly big. They are reusable packaging. And this is what I would hope something like an Amazon will eventually move to. And you use this Repack packaging. Um, It's sort of like a yellow tart material. And when you're done with it, you can drop it in a mailbox anywhere on the planet. And it will get sent back to them. It is incredible. I think that almost all brands will start to move to it. A lot of beauty brands, a lot of fashion brands, have started paring down the stuff. But a lot of them want the pomp and circumstance. And I understand. We talk about you know your stuff retaining value. Like you cannot throw out any Chanel things. I'll get into it uh, in a subsequent episode. But that that wrapping actually has value. It's so funny. One of the things that I have to send out, you're not going to believe, is a pair of Gucci dust bags. Like a, a that had some loafers in them. Like people just wanted the bags that say Gucci on them.
1: It's so, yeah, it's, I was about to say that's so weird, but you know what? Everything is weird. There is nothing weirder about that than, than lots of other things I can think of. So there's, there's a great reason for somebody to want that Gucci dust bag.
0: And if you do get bags, think about reusing them. I mean, I keep them above everybody like, you know, has all their plastic bags. If you still get any under the sink, we all like, you know, hoard them under there. Like the world is ending, but I have all of my shopping bags, especially if I get like a fancy one. I was actually really upset that I couldn't bring my the fanciest shopping bags in the world are from this insane boutique in Paris called Leclerc. And I bought a pair of awesome sneakers and they gave me a bag and it was so pretty. And I was I like, it killed me that I had to leave it back at the hotel. I was like, please give this to someone like nobody wants like. But if you ever get a gift from me, if you have a baby, if you're getting married, like you're going to get like, you know, a a bag you know something kept box from the real real it's like no I didn't buy that but like I'm not gonna throw this out um but yeah people are really picky about what you send things in I once got like some points docked on my Poshmark because I sent a woman a pair of shoes in a shoe box and she was like this is ugly packaging so you know
1: and this is something that she said in in the in the feedback for you
0: yeah so I got four stars instead of five and it was like packaging could be better
1: Oh, my. Well, OK. That's a sort of thing that it's kind of like, right. You mentioned, you know, someone getting married, right? Or you go to a baby shower. It's like if I wrap a gift in a newspaper and put a little bow on it and someone's like, eh, it could have been nicer. Well, you're right. It could have. But that's what I had lying around.
0: Yeah. And also you should not buy wrapping paper. I'm so sorry if there are any wrapping paper executives that listen to this podcast, but like use newspaper. I even like if I run out of prime boxes to mail off things that I'm selling, um, I will literally go into the garbage room in my apartment building and like paw through the recycling. I'm sorry. But like, that's what I'm going to do. We don't need any more of this stuff. And as long as it doesn't have like a stinky banana and a rat hanging off of it, like, you know, I'll sniff it a little bit. But then that's what I'm going to do. It's like, what are other micro actions? Like that's one. Think about the boxes. Think about the packaging. Think about Reusing the packaging. When you're in a store, don't take a bag. Um, you know, whether you're in an m H&M or you're in a fancy store, uh, say, you know, I can just put it in my purse. But if you do want the bag, reuse it. Don't take the tissue paper. Same thing. Varying coatings and glitter on tissue paper can be damaging. Or get your receipt emailed to you. A lot of people still want to print out that receipt for you. The receipts are just, I mean, Sarah, like, I have a, I don't know about you, but I just have like receipts floating everywhere. And they're so unnecessary.
1: I actually had a receipt fly out of a bag because I've got, you know, a various amount of plastic bags in a drawer that I try to reuse all the time for various reasons. And it kind of flew out and I looked at it and it was like from last year. I don't (laughs) don't even know. I don't know why I got it in the first place. It was certainly nothing that I ever had to like go back and check.
0: And actually the ink from receipts, like this is a bad PR campaign for receipts, I guess, but And sometimes, listen, if you run a business like for a while for the I've run a business for eight and a half years, like for the first several years, like I would take all my receipts and I would like file them by month and I would put them in a binder because my accountants put the like fear of God in me that like if I lost one receipt and got audited, I would be fucked. So, you know, with. You know, receipts are important, but they can stay also in your email as proper evidence, though I will ask an accountant for the podcast. But that's something to think about. Or bring your own bag. I mean, this is true when you go to the grocery store, but kind of think about it when you go shopping. Just those little actions really add up, really stops these brands from having to produce more bags, and it might start a trend. It's very trendy. The opposite of sustainability is fast fashion. Think about how and when you're doing it. Think if you're just making it an impulse purchase. Sometimes you just like want a funky little thing, and you think about where that came from, and you think about how you're gonna feel. We talked about in the previous episode, you know, buying stuff because you feel shitty, or you feel good, or you feel anxious, or whatever. Um, you know, really, really stop dropping and rolling in those situations. Um, but one place where it's really easy to get caught in buying crap is Instagram. Like, sure, Sarah, I'm sure your Instagram is full of ads for, like, random trash clothing or leggings or who knows what. But, like, it's so easy to get lured when you're looking at these, like, photos of influencers and what they're buying. Like, it's all just stuff.
1: Yeah. In fact, I just bought a very large dog bed. And, and I... I needed one. I've been looking at dog beds on Etsy for just like too long and couldn't pull the trigger. And there was a there was an ad on Instagram and it lured me in and I knew what it was doing, but it did it anyway where it's like people on the internet can't stop talking about this dog bed like it helps dogs with anxiety and I was like this is great. How much? blah blah blah. One click and I, it my dog Otis is actually sleeping in it now. He loves the bed. So it wasn't a terrible purchase, but there are so many impulse purchases on Instagram now that I have to just be like, nope, keeps growing, keeps growing, keeps growing.
0: So I purchased one really crappy thing, which was all like stuff that like was probably flammable from China and it's hilarious and it's embarrassing. So I'll tell the story for the listeners. So I'm an unmarried woman. Um, This factors in. So I, you know, they have those boxes like FabFitFun. All these boxes are full of trash, like FabFitFun. I mean, Birchbox, like Birchbox. And like you get a box of stuff. People like getting stuff. Like Americans love stuff. This is something we've definitely established on this podcast. But I bought this cheapo box that was advertised to me on Instagram and it was called Singles Swag. Now, I don't know why I was tempted to do this, but it was like treat yourself. You single. Like, ain't nobody gonna take care of you. So like you gotta do it yourself. Like buy yourself some treats for yourself. And like it wasn't really any different of a value proposition from just like a regular box of other stuff. But I was like, yeah, you're right. I should treat myself. Like I am a single woman. Like I'm gonna do this. Um <laughs> So I signed up for it. I don't know. It was like you know, seven, ten bucks a month. Like when I, I paid for it, and you have to pay. They like only accepted PayPal or something weird, and like the receipt was all wonky. And it was just just like a scam. But like the box came. Now here is if anyone's listening who subscribes to single swag, I don't know if it still exists. First of all, it was like a flammable necklace that like made my neck itch. It was like disgusting soaps that smelled so bad, probably full of chemicals. Like it was nothing I would. But I was like, ooh, look at these treats for myself. And then I canceled it after three. Three months. But the problem was they put single swag all over the outside of the box. That's rude.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's marketing, right?
0: Yeah. But why would you dox me like that? I'm standing in the elevator with the rest of the people in my building <laughs> with this box that says single swag all over it.
1: Very true. Very true. <laughs> well, you know, again, it's, it's you, you, you went into it with saying, you know what? I do have pride for this. This is cool. I'm going to, I'm going to buy into this whole scheme And then you felt a little bit weird about it.
0: And then I had deep, deep shame. So that's fast fashion for you. And that's a bit about how to shop more sustainably. But the counter to that is a movement called slow fashion. So that's, I would say, one of the last tips for this series, uh, which is to follow people involved in slow fashion. Like you don't know what you don't know. There are so many people that are committed to this in varying ways and to varying degrees of Of commitment too you know you don't have to be a zero waste person um you know or anything like that but check out some people that are in slow fashion check out some small businesses buy from small businesses that shop sustainably and produce sustainably and you can see the owner right there and you know you like that person I mean that's all part of this too is like really figuring out honestly who you want to give your money to at the end of the day like that's what talks more than anything else is money and your wallet and where you put your wallet actually really matters This part two of how to shop more sustainably. I want to hear from you and I want to know if you, INGO listeners, have tips that I can share, Sarah and I can share with the rest of you on how you shop more sustainably, what has worked for you, what you have questions about, tips, tricks, you know, shoot them at me. Email hello at ingopodcast.com. Also on ingopodcast.com, there's a submission form. Go straight to my email. I'm delighted every time I see it. You can also DM on Instagram or Twitter at INGO podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Thank mm-hmm. you.